would you turn to the book of Matthew? <coughs> In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been giving examples of how the righteousness of Christians is to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. And so, so much of the time in our thinking, we would look at that and think, well, we're supposed to do more than they do and do better than they do. But that's not what Jesus is talking about is at all. You remember that the whole context of the Sermon on the Mount is the condition of the heart. And so as we study Jesus' sermon, we're confronted with this exceeding sinfulness of sin. This has been a very convicting study for me when I look at it. And I realize how easy it is to just feel satisfied and lollygag along with about who we are and what our relationship to Christ is. But when we dig into this sermon, there is a clear exposure of sin. And that's really what it is about. We see sin here as it really is. We see the the hopelessness of being able to save ourselves, the hopelessness of being able to be good enough. And so all of this comes from the mouth of Jesus himself. You remember that he is sitting on side of the mountain and he is talking to his disciples and to the multitude. So the truth is that unless we are clear about the doctrine, or the word doctrine means truth, unless we are clear about the truth of sin, then we can't understand the gospel. The gospel is for those who understand sin. The gospel is the good news for those who know that they are sinners or that we are sinners. And so the Son of God had to come from heaven and die on the cross. It was absolutely essential because of sin. There was not another way for a holy God to deal with sin. So bottom line, we need a new heart. And receiving Christ is about receiving a new heart. And so we all have at times become smug. I have become smug and satisfied with ourselves because We've done what the Pharisees did, and we have reduced God's standard to something that we can accomplish. And so then we can feel good about ourselves. And, and we reduce that standard so that it's more comfortable. We do it all the time, don't we? You know, God says, um, don't lie. And we say, well, that was just a little white lie. So what are we doing? We're reducing God's standard. And, and it's come so naturally for us that I think so much of the time I do it, not intentionally, but just because I don't think about it. And so that's why when we get here, we look at this and we see that, that sin is exceedingly sinful. And so when we look at this sermon, uh, we see that we're not, you know, maybe we think, well, we're not guilty of this. I'm not guilty of this, so I'm not as bad as that person because... I might do this, but I don't do that. What is that? Self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, isn't it? So we think we're good. We think we're better than some other people. We can sit here this morning and think, well, I'm in church. I'm in Sunday school. I'm enjoying God's word. I'm absorbing God's word. That fellow out there sitting on the side of the street homeless that's drugged out, I'm better than he is. No, we're not. And so Jesus ended chapter 5 with, Love like God loves. So 
Self-satisfaction is the opposite of biblical holiness. Self-satisfaction is the opposite of biblical holiness. So the doctrine of sin shows us that we need a deliverer. We need a savior. We need a power greater than what we have to deliver us from sin. And so it puts us in a position to run to Christ, to run to Christ, to rely on him. So when we realize we need a new heart, then we find out God's ready to give it. And that's the only way we get one is to go to him and let him give it to us. So Jesus ended chapter five with be perfect. Whoa. Be ye perfect. Be ye perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. And so our response should be, I can't do that. Pharisees' response was, well, we're nearly there. Mm -mm. The heart response to Jesus' command to be perfect is that I can't do that. I can't come close. I can't do that. And so then what does Jesus say? He says, you're right. I'm going to save you. I'm going to be your savior. You need a savior. So Jesus then comes in and he brings us his nature. Now, does that mean that we do everything right after that? No, because we've still got this conflict with our flesh. But that's what's going on. So as we begin Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 establishes a principle. <clears throat> and the following verses after verse 6 deal with that principle. So he spends some time on this. But look at verse 1 of Matthew chapter 6. Just the first phrase, that first half of the verse. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Now that's the principle. This is about hypocrisy. And so there's a story about an Eastern mystic who was <coughs> a pious man who sat in a prominent place <coughs> on a busy street in this city and every day he sat there covered with dust and ashes which is supposed to be a symbol of humility and this tourist was passing by and he said may I take your picture and the fellow said oh yes wait just a minute and let me rearrange my ashes think about that <coughs> well I suppose there's a lot of rearranging ashes going on in a lot of us <coughs> Because we want to look good to other people. You know, the whole world of religion carries around a whole lot of rearranging ashes to look better than we are. So there are times we all want to look better for a photograph. We want to be seen as better than what we are. That's natural. And so we want to be noticed. But what Jesus is teaching is I'm not looking at what you do. I'm looking at your heart. I'm looking at how you think. So it's okay to want to make a good impression, but we're going to see that the issue is the motive. Okay? So our focus, Jesus begins to show us, is not to be on ourselves. It's to be on him. Now, the Pharisees in Jesus' day were good at rearranging their ashes. The Pharisees made sure they put on a show. They wanted everybody to see that they were religious people and how good they were. And so um, they made sure that people noticed their religion. And so in the first 18 verses here, 
of Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about that issue. He's talking about the whole issue of doing it for notice. And so he begins by addressing hypocrisy in general. And then he gets specific. He moves on then to hypocrisy in certain things. After he speaks about it generally, then he talks about hypocrisy in almsgiving, or that would be religious uh, acts, you know. Uh, he talks about uh, hypocrisy in praying. He talks about hypocrisy in fasting. So after he makes this general statement, then he gets very specific. And so there are hypocrites in Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. God never hides them. He doesn't hide us. And so hypocrites are everywhere, and probably all of us have been involved with some kind of hypocrisy at one time or another. I will confess, I have, I know it. And the more I study the Sermon on the Mount, the more I see I got it that I didn't know I had it. So look with me at the book of Amos. <clears throat> Amos is, is a short little bitty book toward the end of the Old Testament. And look with me for just a second at Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5 and verse 21. Now, God is dealing with Israel through the prophet Amos here. So Amos chapter 5 and verse 21. And God is speaking. And he's talking about the worship of hypocrites. Hypocritical worship is what he's talking about. Amos chapter 5 verse 21. God says, God says, I hate I reject your festivals, your religious festivals, nor do I delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. And I will not look even at the peace offerings of your fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you present me with sacrifices and grain offerings in the wilderness for 40 years, O house of Israel? So he goes on, and so he's, what he's saying is, if you're just going to bring me this stuff, I, I don't want it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. And so God is saying, you have taken these things which I have commanded, and you've twisted and perverted them, you have marred their purpose. How did they mar the purpose that God had given for their religious festivals and their solemn assemblies? They had maintained the external, but the internal was not right. Their hearts were not right. That is hypocrisy. That is the biblical definition of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is an outward show without an inward reality. An outward show without an inward reality. So the Greek word for hypocrite refers to an actor on a stage. And this actor on a stage does what? He masks his real identity and appears to be somebody that he's not. And so that's the Bible's position on that. It's one who plays a part that isn't the truth about his life. So back in Matthew 6, 1, again, if you look at it, you see the word noticed or seen I'm not sure what would be there in your Bible let me get back to it here it says noticed in this New American Standard translation (coughs) 
because of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed. Some Bibles say to be seen by men. Now, <clears throat> the word in the original language is spelled almost like our word theater. Okay? So what he's saying is do not put on a show for an audience. Don't put on a show for an audience to try to make yourself appear to be religious when you're not. Uh, don't rearrange your ashes for giving the impression that you are really holy. Look at Isaiah. Go back. Go to Isaiah. We got to look at this. Isaiah chapter one. Isaiah chapter one, beginning in verse ten, and. Remember, the Bible is full of it. The Old Testament is full of it. Look what God's saying. He says through Isaiah, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of, guess who? Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of fed cattle, and I take no pleasure in the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though you multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash your hands. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be as wool. What's God saying? Don't you come to worship with sin in your life, with covered sin, with undealt with sin. God is saying your religion is phony, until your hearts are made clean. Uh, go back. Um, this is a Bible drill today. Go back to Matthew chapter 23. Let me show you Matthew chapter 23. This is stunning. <coughs> Matthew chapter 23 beginning in verse 1. Now Jesus is confronting the Pharisees. Look what he says to them. Verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. And they tie up heavy loads, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. 
for they broadened their phylacteries. Those were the things they wore on their heads to let everybody know that they were consciously, uh, that they were conscious of the law all the time. The phylactery held the law of God, and they wore it on their foreheads. Lengthened the tassels of their garments. They loved the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called by men, Rabbi. So he's challenging them, and Jesus is saying, don't do that. And then he goes on the, the rest of the chapter. We don't have time to look at it. He goes on the rest of the chapter of these blistering woes against them. Because their hearts are not in line with what they're showing everybody that they are. God hates hypocrisy. One more time. Go back to Isaiah 65. Isaiah chapter 65, verse 1. I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. And I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation which did not call on my name. I have spread out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in the way which is not good, following their own thoughts, and people who continually provoke me to my face, offering sacrifices in gardens and burning incense on bricks, who sit among graves, spend the night in secret places, who eat swine's flesh, and the broth of unclean meat is in their pots, who say, keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am holier than you. So what's going here <clears throat> is that they were saying, don't come close to me. I'm really holy, and you might contaminate me. I don't mean to be unspiritual. God's saying baloney. Uh-uh. So what is God doing? What he started with the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 1 was, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is being poor in spirit? Humility before the Lord. Knowing that I'm a sinner. Dealing with my sin. And so God says, he goes on here, let's see, um, I didn't finish verse 5, I was going to show you this. Right there he says, who say... Keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I'm holier than you. And look what he says. These are smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Did you ever get smoke in your nose? That burning, stinging smoke that's in your nose and eyes, what is it? It's an irritant. And so God's saying, this irritates me. And so in another place, Isaiah says, this people, God says, this people honors me with their lips but their heart is far from me so when he starts matthew chapter 6 that's the principle that he's dealing with is what you're performing on the outside as being good different from what you really are on the inside and in secret so they were substituting divine commandments with human traditions. Because what do you say? He says, you're doing what you think you ought to do. Instead of what I'm telling you to do. They were bringing God up to date. Do we see any of that going on in our world today? 
Yeah. Yeah. Where we're trying to change God's standard to fit what people want. What is acceptable to people? What is acceptable to 21st century? And God is saying, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. God will not compromise sin with sin. So, hypocrisy is acting like you care when you don't. Hypocrisy is acting righteous on the outside while being unrighteous on the inside. And God says, it's not going to work in your relationship with me. So, back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. What does he say? (coughs) The first word in Matthew chapter 6 is what in your Bible? Beware. What did you say? Take heed. Beware take heed it's a warning so he immediately begins with beware beware you know what beware means beware means this is serious and so that's what he's saying but but now let's let's get some perspective here so that we'll be ready for next sunday aren't we to do righteous acts that are to be seen yes yes Back in chapter 5, and verse 16, Jesus said what? Let your light so shine before men that they may what? See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, there are some of these monkeys that are going to come along and say, See there, the Bible contradicts itself. Because right there in chapter 5, he tells you to do your righteous acts before men. And right here in chapter 6, he's saying, Don't you do your righteous acts before men to be seen. What's the difference? What's he doing? Now he says that you do not do your righteous acts to be seen. What's the difference? The motive. The difference is in the motive. He said, I want you to do righteous acts before men so that they will what? Glorify your father who is in heaven. And these hypocrites are about the business of getting glory for themselves. That's the difference. He says, when you do, let your light shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven as opposed to, don't you do that so that you will be noticed And people will glorify you. So that's the question I think we have to ask ourselves and use to examine our own hearts when we start to do something. Why am I doing this? What is my motive? Um, We always want to do good works and and transfer that glory to the Lord. Sometimes we do it secretly. Sometimes we're not to do it secretly. But we're to do it how? Humbly, with a heart that has dealt with it before the Lord, and one that will give God glory for what what takes place. Um, That's the foundation for the next 18 verses. Okay? So you see how serious he is about this, because then he goes on and he gets very specific 
about ways in which when he says here in verse 2 when he's talking about giving alms that's the same thing as righteous acts and so what does he say don't sound a trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be honored by men that's the difference so that's always the question in our hearts is am i doing this so that i will receive some recognition and that's hard because we all want it we all want affirmation of other people we need it but there's a right and a wrong way to get it to receive it and then to transfer it back to the lord so he's big into no hypocrisy and what is he still saying i want your heart don't care how dirty it is don't care how broken it is don't care how sinful it is just give it to me just give me your heart and we'll work from there that is the glory of the gospel the glory of grace but the gospel begins when i know that i can't do it so remember the sermon on the mount was not given so that christians would know how to perform the sermon on the mount is given so that we will know we can't do it and when we know we can't do it what are we going to do run to the savior ask for his empowerment ask for his help ask for his guidance and surrender and just do what he says okay we'll start next week in the second half of verse one